Michael Figured, Conversations. <laughs> All right, hello. <laughs> hello, good evening, Stefan. Hi. <laughs> Hi, Michiel, how are you? Good, good, good. And we finally figured it out. Uh, we had some uh, technical issues before we started this call, but uh, I, I think everything is fine right now. Uh, you might see me having like a minor heart attack in the middle of the conversation. If I'm not sure anymore if everything's recording, but we should be, we should be good to go. <laughs> what are you up to Great. these days, Stefan? For these days, um, working, um, not going to restaurants and not going to bars, but I think I'm not the, the only one. Uh, so main focus is, is, is work, uh, there goes all the attention to. And I'm also uh, actually um, re reimagining my, uh, my sport habits. So spending also a lot of time on the roads, running, um, which I enjoy, finally. You didn't you didn't like doing sports before or running before or did it did it change? What what? Changed? I did when I, when I was a student. I I never played um, like like ball sports like football, mm -hmm. basketball. Always sucked at it, so I wasn't the most sporty guy growing up. Um, I got a few years when I was hitting the gym a lot. Mm -hmm. um, I used to run some months and then I stopped for over a year. And now since I think September, I I. I uh, got the running virus back, um, bought new, uh, a new running outfit, and now I really enjoy it. And it's really a way to actually clear my head on the weekends, yep. enjoy some me time in the nature. So, uh, yeah. Did the outfit help at all? For, for me, it helps. I don't know why, but um, when I invest in, a, in an all shiny Nike outfit, <laughs> I, I'm more triggered to actually go running in it. So. Uh, <laughs> I can imagine. It helped a little uh, to, to, to get a kickstart. Yeah, you feel like you can just uh, do it, right? Yeah, definitely, definitely. I'm a big fan of the Nike slogan, just do it. Yeah. Um, big fan of it, yeah. big motivational speech. Yeah, it seems like like that's kind of your, your credo, right? If I'm like getting it right, you seem to be, well, all over the places, I mean it in a positive way, but you, you seem like you're always busy doing a lot of stuff at the same time. You are, if I looked it up, if I looked it up correctly, you're into you're the co-founder of three or four different companies, and then we are also connected on Instagram. So I see, uh, well, what you're doing besides that as well. So you're always out and about, like running or visiting stuff. How do you, how do you even find the time to do all of that? How do how do I find the time? I, I don't know. I don't really think about it. And then it's funny you said you were all over the place. Um, I think at one time during the past years, I, I was all over the place doing a lot of different stuff, stuff that isn't related at all, stuff that seemed interesting. So I was just going to do it. But now the last year, I also took some time for, for introspection and, and reflection. I really yeah, started to focus more on, on a few things, but do those few things very well and not, not, uh, not half and half. Um, I think that's a mistake being all over the place I made mm -hmm. in the last years. Um, on the other hand, uh, it's by doing a lot of different things that you actually learn what you like, what you don't like, what you're good at, what you suck at. Mm -hmm. So I'm um, very happy to do it, but I felt like it was a time to actually do fewer things, but, but go deeper yeah. in them and go further. Would all over the place for you, would that be like chaotic or is that kind of the way you are naturally? Chaotic, um, I don't know if, it, if it's the right words, um, but I'm a very curious guy. Mm -hmm. So I'm interested in a lot of things. Um, for example, I studied criminology because I have a fascination um, for uh, human behavior, 
um, societal changes, how we deal with criminality, uh, criminality and, and deviant behavior. But I'm also interested in business. I'm also interested in, in environment, environmentalism. It's mm -hmm. a very difficult word, but I'm interested in the topic. Yep. Um, I'm interested in music. Um, I have a lot of interests. So, so of course, when you have a lot of interests, when something new pops up mm -hmm. and somebody asks you, hey, let's do this, let's try this. Um, I was always the guy who was raising the hands, let's, yes, let's do it. I'm enthusiastic. Um, so I think it's, it's more a question of being curious than, mm -hmm. than chaotic. I've the reason I invited you is, well, because I, I kind of look up to all the different stuff that you do. Like in every, in every way, I, I kind of think like, damn, I wish I could do, I would handle stuff a little bit more like, like Stefan does. does. Um, I can, I, it does feel to me like on the personality level, it looks like we're a little bit the same. So what I'm curious about is how you kind of went from all those different things that are unrelated to be able to fixate yourself on a few of those and get your focus on only those. Yeah, how did that happen? I think the last year played a role. Um, I think the last year played a role for, for a lot of us on a lot of things. But for me, it was like time to actually take the time to, to stand still, mm -hmm. to look around, to reflect, to look back and also to look forward. And uh, I feel by, by doing a lot of things, and maybe for the listeners who don't know me, um, I studied criminology, wanted to uh, change people's lives and change society. I went into consulting, um, did a lot of freelance consultancy, mostly innovation proje projects with startup corporates, um, um, even governments. I also was uh, the co-founder of EBBC, which is, mm -hmm. of course, where I met you, uh, yeah. where I got to know you better, well, actually, the Entrepreneurial Business Book Club. before that, right? Yeah, that was in my innovation consultancy project where you were uh, working for a chatbot company yep. um, where I was advising the local government we were working for uh, together. So that's yep. how we met. And I think then I pitched also the book club. So you went to the book yep. club. Yep. Um, that was my way to actually get people into the book club. So everybody <laughs> I would meet would become a member yeah. of, uh, of the book club. But so, so I, I did a book club, I did a consultancy. I also worked for a, a corporate venture, so a spin-off of a, of a big insurer in Belgium. And when I looked back the last year, I found out like, hey, where is, where is the passion at? Um, mm -hmm. And I felt like it wasn't an innovation consultancy. I like doing it, but it's not that I would live, live and die for it, let's mm -hmm. say. Um, where did I find it? It was in the EBBC and uh, it was not necessarily in the books. I'm a big reader, but it's not the books that, that passionate me the most. It was about bringing together people who, are, who have growth mindsets who like to develop themselves and who want to build a community together of like-minded people who actually want to grow, want to take steps in their life, in their career, mm -hmm. both on a professional and a personal level. So I found out, I think it was exactly one year ago when the pandemic happened, like, hey, community building, entrepreneurship, um, bringing together growth-minded people with entrepreneurial dreams. Mm -hmm. That was my biggest passion. It was the thing I was doing the most consistently for, for the last year. And, and during that time, I was also in contact with, uh, with Mathias Lamirois and Nicolas Acoster. You might have met Nicolas also yep, at, at EBBC. So, yeah. And uh, they were at the time working on a Rubicon, which was a startup. I think it was a few months old. I was one of the first customer mm -hmm. because the, the excited guy I was said, yeah, this is interesting. I want to join. That's yeah. why I became a customer. Went to Barcelona on a getaway with them. But what they were also doing and, and still doing today, and, and today I'm, I'm part of the team, I'm the third co-founder who joined a little bit later, mm -hmm. is we are actually building a community of growth-minded entrepreneurs who want to challenge themselves, who want to develop themselves, 
in the community membership model where we come together on a monthly basis in interactive workshops, sessions, events, retreats um, to Ibiza and the Ardennes, which is a little bit difficult right now to go to Ibiza, yep. but it's on the it's on the planning for uh, for, the, for the rest EBBC of the year. EBBC was first, right? Yeah, EBBC was four years ago, five years ago, I think. Well, Didn't count years. Was it, was it founded together with you or was it founded and did you join? And afterwards, or how did, how did it happen? I joined a little bit later. I'm like a typical guy who joins something at, at, in the early days, becomes excited about it, and then says like, "Hey, I wanna, I, I want in, I wanna build this together with <laughs> yeah. you." So the, the story of EBBC, maybe we could do it chronologically um, because I feel a little bit chaotic in, in the story. <laughs> so right. EBBC started with um, me uh, being on holidays. And I was reading a book, it was The Seven Habits of, of Highly Effective People mm -hmm. by Stephen Covey. And at the time, it was five years ago, um, I, re I had a breakup with, with a girlfriend I was together with for a long time. So I was kind of in a phase of, of um, reshaping my life, let's say. So I was thinking, okay, I want to meet more like-minded people. And I was reading the book at the moment. So I looked at the book like, hey, people who are reading business books, those are probably people I would enjoy meeting, enjoy hooking up with. Mm -hmm. And um, during my holidays, it was in, in the south of France with my family. I uh, started looking on the internet for business book clubs in Belgium because I went to networking events. I went to other organizations, but I never found the kind of community I want to join. Mm -hmm. And at the time, I found a very, uh, very small website um, with a logo, with the EUBC logo. It's still the same logo today. And uh, on the website, I found the contact details of a guy named, uh, named Colin Verhagen. And so I sent him a polite email like, hey, dear Mr. Verhagen, <laughs> I'm Stefan. I like reading books. I'm reading this book at the moment. I want to oh. join EBC. What it's all about? The website isn't very clear, but, but I, I want in. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, he answered me and, and I went to a session, uh, I think two months later. It was in Zaventem near Brussels. It was five people, I think. Um, in a room above a pizzeria in Zaventem, discussing awesome. a book and and we immediately hit it off. Yeah. Uh, Colin was there, who is now one of my best friends. Kim was there, you also know Kim, I mm -hmm. think. She's also one of my best friends, currently working in Sydney. Um, I met Samuel over there, who's also one of my friends right now. So I immediately hit it off and there Colin said like, hey, this book club, it's a, it's a cool project. It's a, it's a hobby for me, it's a passion, but I don't have the time to do it on my own. And I believed in the concept mm -hmm. and I said like, hey, Colin, I want in, I want to be part of the team. And at the Kim time, also became part of the team. Mm -hmm. At the time, in how many different locations was EBBC already available? That was just Brussels. Oh, so right. we only had the Brussels chapter. I was living in Ghent. Mm -hmm. um, so I joined the, the Brussels chapter mm -hmm. together with Kim and Louise. So the four of us were the core team of, of EBBC. Um, and we, we start scaling it in Brussels. So leading to, uh, I think four months later, we had like 60 people, active members in Brussels. So Brussels was nice, but uh, the community was getting too big. I was from Ghent, Louise was from Antwerp. So it was, it only felt natural to also mm -hmm. move the concept to Ghent, move the concept to Antwerp. And that's where the expansion of, of EBBC yeah. started. And so EBBC, well, of course I, I know what it is, but an entrepreneurial business book club, but what makes EBBC so different from, from other book clubs? that you can find? Yeah, well, I think there, there aren't too many book clubs in the world, yeah, which is nice, especially true. on business books clubs. There are some online clubs like a Facebook group where you discuss books, mm -hmm. but we like the, the physical events. So I think what makes us different is that we 
we had we had of course in the past a big emphasis on physical get-togethers meetups on a monthly basis very uh, consecutive so every month there would be another session on another book hosted by another person mm -hmm. and that's the second element that i think makes ebbc unique every session is organized facilitated by a member of the community and it's always a different member who brings her or her personal style to the session so it's really community driven it's actually the members themselves yep. who shape the community who shape the concept who shape the the sessions um, so I think that's something rather rather unique, which has a big advantage that it's hyperscalable. Mm -hmm. um, it's always somebody else who's hosting a session, and we learn so much from each other by seeing each other create presentations, breakout sessions, mm -hmm. interactive exercises. Yeah. So I think that would be uh, would be one of the main differentiators. What I really like um, about the EBBC, sorry to interrupt you, uh, Stefan. What I really no problem. <laughs> what I what I really liked is that. Like after the presentation is done, so it's always kind of, you always tell the people that are presenting that they have to find some topics about the book that we can discuss and also some of the topics that we can apply in real life. And what I like most about that is the conversations afterwards that happen. And also a lot of the times, which I really like, there's like opposing views. And the people that are joining, they are not, they are not afraid of presenting opposing views which I also really like because like these days it almost feels like if you have an opposing view, you have to be careful because in some way or another uh, you will get, yeah, I mean, the other per person will get mad at you or yeah, it will leave a bad mark on, on, on the way you talk to each other. So that's what I really like about the EBBC. It's kind of like, um, yeah, confined space maybe with like my sort of like-minded people that can still have opposing views and talk about yeah. it and share experiences. That's uh, really yeah, it's it's very cool to hear you say that because that's exactly what we what we want to build. Um, get like-minded people together and really activate your knowledge. It's our mission statement, and really activate the knowledge we get out of books by discussing, interacting, sharing cases, and also going in debates. We don't have to agree on a book. Mm -hmm. I can say this book sucks, and you can say you like it. But the discussion we have because you have opposing views. That is creating the value. That is the extra knowledge and insights you go home with. Yep. The book, some books, of course, lend itself a little bit better for opposing view than others. I think the last one that I joined, and that was also in real life, also because I'm, I plan on joining some of the EBBC events online, but I work from home. I sit on a chair eight hours a day. I can't mm -hmm. get out much because I have an injury on my foot. So the last thing I want to do at the end of the day is like sit through three hours uh, watching a screen again. So that's a little bit, uh, yeah, that's a little bit the downside of kind of this situation, I guess. But um, the last book was 48, The 48 Laws of Power. Uh, by yeah, Clean. in July. And that's, that, it was really interesting. Also because EBBC, I guess, well, most people are, or all people are 18 plus, but still uh, there's like a lot of age range between them, which also makes it very interesting. And you don't feel like you're a person that does not belong to the group just because you're the youngest or the oldest or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, diversity is also very important. We had teachers in the community, sales consultants, startup founders, people. We have even people working for Arts on the Grenzen, Médecins Sans Frontières in Brussels. Um, so yeah, a lot of different backgrounds, but all all they have one thing that they that they share, and it is the 
the the thirst for knowledge, the mm -hmm. thirst for learning, mm -hmm. and and that's what makes it great. Um, it's the people that actually make the community, not the books, not the events. It's the people you meet at those events. Yeah, yeah, true. And like you, you're one of them. <laughs> thank you, thank you. <laughs> yeah, and uh, like one of the visuals you also use is like with different dots, and then like uh, the information I guess that displayed on there. But then there's different layers on how you can actually uh, remember the information or re retain the information that you read, which was one of the main reasons I joined because I was reading a lot, but I was not sure if it like added value to my life just because I was just reading it and not doing something with it. And I, I think that's where EBBC actually really comes into play and it really helps. Yeah. Um, so, so you mentioned and it was a little bit hard. You were very busy. I, I think over the last few weeks, it was a little bit difficult to get a hold of you. And when in the last week, I think uh, you talked to me again, you said, OK, it's possible to do the call right now. And it would be very interesting to talk about uh, Hell Week, I think, then is the book that you're reading right now or actually practicing. Um, can you a little bit can you explain a little bit about what Hell Week actually is? And is it yeah. something you're well, reading with EBBC or? Yeah, it, it's. Um, I'm gonna start the story with with an EBBC session um, we did in December, and it was on the book the 6 a.m. club. Oh yeah, that's what um, well, uh, the five the 5 a.m. club. I don't know if you were there. Yeah. So that's where the whole concept started of of, of waking up and doing crazy stuff in the morning and at, and at night. Um, but we actually did a session at 5 a.m. in the morning to actually break the pattern of like what you just mentioned, the EBBC sessions uh, at night. After a long day of Zoom meetings, we wanted to do something different. So we tried out a session at 5 a.m. in the morning on a Tuesday morning. I think 35 people showed up. Uh, I expected one or two persons to actually wake up at uh, uh, before 5 a.m. because you have you had to be ready at 5 a.m. to join yeah. the Zoom. Um, and after that session, I, I also launched a call to action uh, to one of the, to some of the participants like, hey, I really like a morning routine. I'm an evening guy. I struggle with waking up every day. Why not do it together? Why not struggle together? And then there was some kind of follow up WhatsApp group created with some people. And it started big. I think 20 people were in the WhatsApp group. And then uh, it was five people still active. And every Monday morning, we would meet up at 6 a.m to uh, do a little bit of reflection, like like how was the last week? What is your intention for this week? Mm -hmm. It was like 30 minutes, kickstarting the day, kickstarting the week. And I think last week I saw a post, a post on Instagram from a book, The Hell Week. Um, and it was like, you have seven brutal days to actually become the best mm -hmm. version of yourself. Mm -hmm. Sounded very American. I didn't read the book. Um, why? Because it only has three stars on, uh, on Goodreads. And I only read books yeah. with four stars minimum, <laughs> I but I like the concept, the concepts. Ah, <laughs> yeah, I didn't, but I, I'm, I'm ordering it because I want to read it now that I'm applying it before reading mm -hmm. the book. But then I start thinking like, okay, we have this morning club every Monday morning. That's nice. But on Monday morning, I start at 6 a.m. But by Tuesday, I'm actually waking up at 8, 8.30, especially on homeworking days. So that's how we thought like, hey, the concept of Hell Week is triggering me. Why not make a, our own version of the Hell Week? And we did it with five people, um, some EBC members, some some of my uh, my colleagues at Rubicon, and some other members from another community, the Brussels Impact Club. I've been uh, working with for uh, for the last weeks, and uh, we just started doing it. We created our own version of the Hell Week, but the Hell Week wasn't the right word for us. So last weekend we changed it to Perfect Week 
because right. we feel like hey, if we apply to the rules mm -hmm. we uh, we carve in stone here we are living the perfect life the perfect days uh, let's say so now it's hashtag perfect week instead of hashtag so if it's a perfect week. week you plan on actually uh going through with it even after the week is done then because it's like no because i'm a big uh, i'm a big believer in habit building mm -hmm. and one of the key elements of building a new habits is starting very small mm -hmm. If you start with both eating healthy, both getting uh, in bed at 10 p.m. and waking up at 6 a.m., doing something good every day, it's too much at once. But what I like about the concept, if you do it for seven days, it's feasible to maintain it for seven days. Mm -hmm. And it's really a wake-up call of like, okay, now I'm being the best version of, of myself. Mm -hmm. And it's hard to start thinking about stuff like, okay, I should call a friend or a family member. Why am I, not do I'm an, am I not doing this? Why am I wasting time on this thing? So for me, it starts, a lot of questions start popping up in my head and it's a great exercise to see like what gives me energy. Mm -hmm. For example, some people are waking up at 6 a.m. but they feel like this is not giving me energy. This is not something that works for me. Mm -hmm. And others say like, hey, I woke up at 6 a.m. the whole week. This is something for me. I will continue doing this. Mm -hmm. So the, the, the goal is after this week, next Monday at 6 a.m. of course, we will reflect on the yeah. week and see like, okay, this is a habit. I will keep doing, mm -hmm. but not everything because mm -hmm. now we have 12 rules we have to abide. It's a lot. It's way too much which to Which uh, one have you done already? Um, well, for now, now it's Wednesday. I did sports every day. So that's one of the rules, mm -hmm. workout every day. So I went running for two days and this morning I had a workout with weights outside. It's eating healthy. Um, so I eat it very healthy this mm -hmm. week. Still, uh, still sticking to it. Um, calling a friend or family member, mm -hmm. especially in times when we're at home, it's, it's easy to get... Um, to, to get out of touch with people you yeah, actually care about. Definitely. It's doing something good for the world. Like yesterday, I bought a post postcard and they will plant a tree with the money they get from yeah. the postcards. Today, right. I still have to figure something out. Maybe this counts as doing something good for the world. Yeah, so it's, uh, it, definitely uh, <laughs> made, it definitely made me happy. So <laughs> <laughs> Great. So I did something good for the world. Awesome. Yeah. Um, what are some of the other rules? Um, no social media during mm -hmm. business hours. Um, I failed at it for three days. Um, but I don't feel I have a social media problem, so it's mm -hmm. it's also the balance over there. Maybe you're just um, in the first those are the denial. Could be, could be. Let's maybe if you yeah, speak yeah. on Friday, I will say something something mm -hmm. else. Um, and those are for me the most important rules. There, there's twelve, but I, I can't can't sum them up right now mm -hmm. out of my head. And we have a checklist in a Google sheet every day. We check off the boxes we actually ticked. And uh, we can we can see each other progress in the sheet. We all have our own top. Yep. So uh, that's good for the accountability. Yep. You're already you're already halfway through. So. And uh, yeah. Who did you uh, call? And. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. One one other important rule, of course, is read every day mm -hmm. for thirty minutes. Yep. But so that's. Uh, I guess you already did that important. before, right? Yeah, but this week I didn't read on Monday. I didn't read on Tuesday. Mm -hmm. But I read today, so okay, okay, I'm, I'm getting there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess well, one of the the things to remember there is also to not quit if you just don't make one rule. I guess because uh, yeah, you just have to stick with the things that work and not focus on the things that didn't work. Um, who, who did you call? Yesterday I called my mother. Um, Monday I called the friends. Oh, you have to call somebody else in, like, every day. Yeah, oh, so that's the, that's the goal. Every day you call somebody else. So um, today I, I had a call with some friends in the early morning. Um, I'm also calling you at the moment, so maybe yeah. that counts. Mm -hmm. um, I decide if it counts, so that's easy. <laughs> uh, 
And uh, yeah, still freaking around who I'm going to call tomorrow. I take my grandmother. Yeah. I also give her a weekly call, so that will be scheduled tomorrow night, I think. And did you call people already that you don't call normally? Well, for now, I call the people that are in my top five, let's say, of, of the people I actually care about in, in life. Mm-hmm. Um, I think towards Thursday, Friday, I would also start thinking about other people like I haven't heard this person in like six months. Mm-hmm. Um, how would he or she be doing? Um, and there's so many people that that, that that you met over time that you just lost track of. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, us, we used to meet up at EBC. We used to work together even for a mm-hmm. short while yep. at the, the local e-commerce project. Yep. But after that, we also kind of lost touch because everybody's living their lives. Mm-hmm. And it's so easy to 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 get out of touch with people. Mm-hmm. Uh, so maybe I will call you on Saturday or Sunday. Oh, oh, Who knows? Oh, that's a surprise. <laughs> at 6 a.m. <laughs> yeah. yeah, probably. Uh, like I tried to do the miracle morning for a while. I did it for 30 days, I think, and it worked fine, but I can't, I don't know. Maybe that's something that's just in my nature. I can't do it if there's no like tangible goal. Like mm-hmm. I, I can't just do it for the sake of doing it. When I was reading the book, I was like, okay, I'm going to stick to the, the rules that are in this book and then it's fine and I, then I can do it. But like after the goal was met, uh, maybe maybe I got up at 6 a.m. for a few more days after that, and then yeah, it just went away. Yeah. But maybe I'm just not a an, a morning person. I don't know. That's that's actually the whole point of the miracle morning is that there's no such thing as not not being a morning person. But yeah, yeah. I like the book, and it's it's very similar to the 5 a.m. club. Mm-hmm. But I, I hate one thing about it, and that it's like. When you're reading it, you feel obligated to wake up at 5 a.m. because otherwise you couldn't be successful. That's like the tone of voice that is in the book. Mm-hmm. And it also is very strict with the rules. Like you need a 20-minute workout. You need a 20-minute reading. You yep. need 20 minutes of being grateful for stuff. Mm-hmm. But everybody has a different morning routine. Yeah. For example, if I wake up early and I go for workouts, I don't feel the need every day to also go meditating or to start journaling or to start yep. reading in the morning. Maybe I just like to take a long shower and enjoy a hot coffee. Mm-hmm. And, and get off to work. Other days I will uh, I will read a book if I feel like it. But I have a little bit of problem with these kind of dogmatic rules that are in those kind of books. Mm-hmm. But I like the main concept as an experiment. So like, yeah. hey, let's try it out for yeah. seven days and see what happens. And also what I feel like in that book, the meditation part, uh, I'm still not like, I know it's beneficial and so on. And I, I read about it here and there, but I, I'm, I'm still not sure I, I can even do it. You know, I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. When do you know if you're meditating the right way? Do you do it sometimes or? I, I, I started trying it like the last month, but I'm still struggling with it. Um, and I think the right way is when you feel that it's giving you value. So for example, you have people that say like, I meditate every day. I don't feel the need to meditate every day. Um, but there's one moment when I do feel the need. I, I I think it's my character to often get a little bit overwhelmed by by stuff that is happening. Mm-hmm. So sometimes I feel like, whoa, it's too much at once. And at those moments, I take out my my Headspace app and just do it for 10, 15 minutes, and then it helps me to get to get at ease, mm-hmm. to um, to get relaxed a little bit more. You do, but only like on on extreme stress moments. You do it during the day. It's mostly during the day. It's it's somewhere in the afternoon, mostly. Um, yeah, but only when I feel like okay, this is I have too much stress. I'm too nervous. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And my head isn't clear anymore. That's the moment I like mm-hmm. to do it. Yeah, maybe that's why it didn't really 
work for me because when I wake up and especially like in in this period of time I work from home so I am not really the first thing I am when I wake up is definitely not stressed it's like I have time enough to prepare myself to get to work uh, so I was already calm when I woke up so maybe meditating I think meditating probably mostly helps with being stressed or to not be stressed anymore and maybe the morning isn't just uh, isn't the right mm-hmm. period to do that then I don't know but it's different for everybody and and often when, when you read self-development books you feel like I should be doing this because this is what I need to do but in the end it's what works for you mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and um, yeah so uh, the morning routine the hell week so Monday is the last day then uh, that you'll have Sunday night so night. it's from Monday morning to Sunday night mm-hmm. yeah and then we stop counting <laughs> and we can go back to normal lives so um yeah I'm, I'm mostly worried about the weekends like waking up at 6 a.m on Saturday and Sunday might be a tricky one yeah that's uh, probably uh, you will need a lot of willpower to do that yeah and and, and, and yeah the challenge is my girlfriend is uh, is not doing a challenge but of course it's yeah. Friday night um, if I go to bed at 10 p.m. and set my alarm for 6 a.m., it also affects her uh, weekends. Yeah, yeah. So yep. Uh, we'll see how it works. <laughs> and you weren't <laughs> able to convince her to also do the challenge? No, no. She, ju- she just started uh, working a, a new job this Monday. So I think she has enough, enough challenges uh, this week <laughs> to get started yeah, with. So I didn't, yeah. I didn't even try to convince her to join the uh, Perfect Week mm-hmm, challenge. Mm-hmm. So- yeah, <laughs> but I can Im- I can imagine that it, it's very hard to convince somebody to do a challenge like that. Like sleep is pretty, or at least like sleep is pretty holy to most people, but still a lot of people are just neglecting it, right? So there's a I don't know if you have read it. It's a Why We Sleep, and I forgot. Yeah, very nice it, but book. That kind of changed my my actually how important it is that you have good sleep, like. I don't, yeah. I don't know about you, but like I already knew that sleep was very important. But after reading that book, you're like, yeah, completely convinced that this. Yeah, and it's it's very brutal. Like if you don't sleep eight hours a night, you are uh, slowly killing yourself. Mm-hmm. That's like the main thesis of the book. Um, but it is important. I also always feel it when I didn't sleep my eight hours. Yeah, I, I recently. So, um, so I don't know. Do you know? Um, I, I mentioned him like once every podcast so it feels like but do you know joe rogan uh, podcast yeah mm-hmm. uh, i didn't listen a lot to him uh, mm-hmm. but everybody's very enthusiastic about it yeah and he moved from youtube to spotify a while ago uh, but it seems like his numbers are declining uh, a lot because yeah it was just pretty easy to find him on youtube and spotify is mm-hmm. not like exactly the same but recently he got elon musk on again and uh Seems like he sleeps about six or six and a half hours, but uh, like also the point in the book why we sleep is that's a very small minority that can actually get by by six hours. A lot of people think they can, but yeah, it's mostly just not true. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. So you're reading a lot, and a while ago you posted your top three books. And one kind of piqued my attention, it's uh, how to change your mind. And I think it was actually on the number one. Uh, yeah. So 
how come you started reading that book? Or what is it about, maybe, for the people that don't know? Well, it is about a topic that might be controversial um, because it is about, it's about drugs mm -hmm. or it's about two substances that people classify as drugs and, and what is drugs and what is not, it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's, um, it's not black and white, let's say. That's the criminologist uh, in me speaking. <laughs> but it is a book about um, psychoactive drugs. So what are psychoactive drugs? It's the, the magic mushrooms you might mm -hmm. know, you might have tried, I don't know. It's uh, LSD, uh, which make you a uh, trip in, uh, with very visual hallucinations. It's, it's other different kind of, of mo mostly mushroom uh, species. The ayahuasca tea that you can drink in, uh, yep. in South America. Yep. But um, so these are substances we, we often, we put them on the same place as, as cocaine, as cannabis, as heroin and so on. They are drugs, they, they give you a certain kind of experience. But it's a book on actually the benefits of um, psychedelics. Mm -hmm. That's the term psychedelics for these kind of drugs. And uh, it's a book about the history of uh, LSD. It was created in a laboratorium mm -hmm. somewhere in the United States. And it was used as a, as a medicine to solve mental illnesses, to solve depressions, anxiety, and so on. But it, it got out of, the, out of the laboratorium and it was a drug for the, for the hippies in the, in the 60s. But also a drug you could use in, um, in nightclubs and so on. Mm -hmm. But it's actually a book that is um, completely focused on the benefits of uh, psychedelics. And it also involved the author doing uh, mushrooms himself, doing yep. LSD himself, to actually do a, do a trip. Mm -hmm. uh, what is interesting, you see it right now also popping up. So, in, for example, in the Netherlands, you can, uh, you can book a retreat. Mm -hmm. cost you like 1,500 euros. And there you go in the retreat, it's with yoga and meditations and so on. But you also eat magic mushrooms or LSD to yeah. actually go on a trip. And what is interesting on, on uh, the psychedelics... Is it legal in Holland? It's, it's semi-legal. You can buy it at smart shops. Yeah. Uh, and Belgium is pro prohibited. Mm -hmm. uh, you could get fined if you, if you have it with you on the street, I think. But what's interesting about psychedelics, so you have your brain. And, and as you grow older, you make certain connections that are hardwired in your brain. You could, um, you could use the metaphor of a snowy mountain. So it, it has just snowed and you mm -hmm. don't see any tracks of the skis and the footsteps in the snow. But once you start doing things, you start making uh, tracks in the snow. Yep. So that's your thinking, the connections you make in your brain. And what is interesting about psychedelics, if you take psychedelics, it's like a fresh layer of powder of snow on, on the mountain. And all the tracks are a little bit erased, so it's easier to create new tracks. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So what it actually says is metaphor, it is that it enables you to make new connections between different types or, or segments in your brain mm -hmm. that normally don't communicate with mm -hmm. each other, which leads to getting deeper insights on, on deep personal issues like, like anxiety, mm -hmm, depressions mm -hmm. and so on. And it also helps to overcome traumas because the traumas, the tracks in the snow are actually covered in a new layer mm -hmm. of snow. So it can help you for a lot of more, more uh, psychological uh, diseases. But it's also a great tool, I think, I didn't use it yet, um, to actually get to know yourself better and get a deeper understanding of who you are and what you want in life. Yeah. Um, and for some reason, it, it triggers with me the concept of, of changing your mind. The book is also mm -hmm. kind, called Change Your Mind. Mm -hmm. So that's why I, I picked it and I, I joined it a lot. Yeah. Um, I know, like, um, so LSD I haven't tried, so um, I have no experience with that one. Um, but like uh, they are trying to get some micro dosages, I get to pe I guess to people because it makes them less anxious and able to be more focused. 
Uh, in my opinion, and I, I don't know about you, but uh, it's a little bit a shame to me. I feel that they kind of banned any research on substances like that for so long, when already yeah. in the beginning, when they were still able to research it, they already noticed that it could have positive effects. Like the, it was actually, uh, I think, actively used by psychologists, psychologists or, or psychiatrists to treat people that have anxiety issues or that have, uh, yeah, severe depressions and so on. So yeah, yeah, and that's a problem. Some researchers feel like this is like a magic bullet we have to solve um, depressions and anxieties, but because of the the image of drugs and the war on drugs in the United States, mostly by uh, President Reagan and Margaret Thatcher in, in the UK. And also here, we also have a war on drugs. It is like, it, it's, it's, it's prohibited to do something with it. Mm -hmm. And every science, every research shows the, the, the great effects of those kind of substances. So it's like a, like a public, um, I'm looking for the right word, I, I can't find it. Um, stigma, stigma mm -hmm. is the right yeah. word. Mm -hmm. And the stigma, I think, is, is slowing down uh, academic research, is hurting academic research, mm -hmm. and just development of, uh, of psychology. Yep, yep, yep. I, I agree. I, I, I certainly hope that over the next, but I think like in 20 years, like Belgium is a little bit slow, I feel like, on, on those kind of things. Uh, but like in 20 years, I believe like even in Belgium, we should be able to reintroduce stuff like that to help people with, with psychological problems and maybe also sometimes recreation. Yeah. I don't know. That's up to the people that, that use it, right? There's some some drugs that should definitely never be allowed, but I mean, it can be proven that it can be beneficial or it's no, there's no real harm if it's in the right setting and so on, then I believe yeah. it should be yeah, allowed. That's part of the problem, like we, we classify them like we classify heroin and cocaine, and and looking at it from a from a scientific standpoint, these are totally different substances. Mm -hmm. Quick question: Do you hear the vacuum cleaner? I hear I hear a beep, but I thought it was my washing machine. <laughs> so okay, but I think it's okay with the ears, but I hear it uh, over here. They're cleaning. Oh no, yeah, but uh, it's fine. I didn't hear a loud noise, so it's good. Um, awesome. I think, uh, so I also, I uh, got the book and I started reading it uh, and they mentioned in the beginning that it is not about uh, marijuana or yeah, about weed in the book. Uh, so like regarding any of those type of substances, have you tried any of them? Well, that's, it's prohibited in Belgium, so it's a question <laughs> I, I shouldn't ah, answer. Uh, all right. uh, on, on air, um, so I will I will let the uh, the listener uh, guess. All right. But I never did a full a full psychedelics experience, so I never did it. It's a little bit scary because you yeah you take a deep look into your own mind. Mm -hmm. um, I might do it in the future because it's very fascinating to me. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, that's my answer. <laughs> a very a very diplomatic answer. Um, <laughs> uh, a lot of. People, I feel like they are not open to try that kind of stuff because they don't like losing control of themselves or on the yeah about their mind or something like that. But still, like in those glorious times where you could still go out, uh, still we drink alcohol every time we go out. So that's a little bit that's a little bit weird. And still, if you talk to people like 
even like our age, uh, if you tell them, oh yeah, but drugs is also, um, but alcohol is also a drugs, they look at you like, yeah, yeah, but that's not the same. Like, have you seen the studies on what alcohol does to your body and your brain? I mean, it's uh, and the number of deaths. Yeah, also. If you compare the number of people dying from alcohol versus dying from, from other drugs, and I, I don't condone drugs, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so, so I'm not an advocate of, of cocaine, heroin, marijuana, whatever. Those are really drugs to me, not mm -hmm. psychedelics. Um, but yeah, alcohol is a hard drug. Yeah, definitely. And yeah, like you said, a lot more deadly. Like, you're not off so quickly if you, if you drink something, like if you're already tired and after a night out, and then even a split second of just closing your eyes, yeah, I mean, the chances of getting yeah, an accident at speeds of 90 plus kilometers an hour, is, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, and even on the long term, like the impact on all families that are um, with, with alcohol abuse, mm -hmm. it's a lot of uh, a lot of shit happening there. So uh, yeah, it's it's a, it's a matter of of the stigmas and the public perception on on substances and and that changes over time. Like alcohol used to be prohibited in the United States in the 30s. Mm -hmm. and, and now it's cannabis that is prohibited and you also see it changing like you now see also um, CBD oil stores popping up even in Ghent in Belgium mm -hmm. which is also cannabis extract so it's it's all evolving and it, it's it goes up and down uh, yeah. in, in history yeah what I've noticed my, my local um, what's it called my local night shop but I, I, I'm not sure I'm not going to say my exact location because I don't want to get them in trouble but it seems like they also have these kind of products that I'm not sure, like, it's kind of in the, in the gray area, I think, right now. And, like, the whole counter is full with uh, CBD products. But CBD, I think, is illegal, right? Uh, yeah, because it's, it's extracted from marijuana, but it doesn't contain the psychoactive yeah. uh, parts. The THC, yeah, I think, THC. it's not in there. So it's, it's, it's not giving you a certain uh, high or something. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's calming you down. It's, it's good yeah. for relaxation, apparently. Mm -hmm. They didn't try it yet. Yeah, I also, that, uh, I also haven't tried. Um, but like they are starting to legalize it in the US right now under, under Biden. So I'm wondering how long it will take Belgium to do something like that. What do you think? Yeah, but if you see it right here, like owning three plants per person is, is it's not legal, but they will condone it. They will not give you a fine. So it's 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 kind of accepted more and more, mm -hmm. um, and also for medicinal use, I think it's also possible in Belgium to get it legally um, if you use it to treat pain and so on. Mm -hmm. So yeah, the the public perception is is changing, especially in marijuana, mm -hmm. and also marijuana isn't comparable to cocaine or heroin or, or, or ketamine or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, one of the things I recently discovered about, uh, so I read about um, about marijuana, is that it can actually induce like Alzheimer in the long run, which uh, <laughs> that scares me a little bit. Like every disease that has to do in my brain, I want to keep as far away as possible, because uh, I mean, there's some. The, the, your brain is still like the most powerful. Yeah, I mean. That's what, what drives everything in your body, so you have to keep it uh, healthy. Um, what do you do to keep your brain healthy, like on a daily basis? Or, or what, what healthy habits do you have? Oh, yeah. I, think, I think now it's the running, the habit I mentioned in the beginning of the session, and that I picked up a few months ago, that is now giving me like mental ease. 
-hmm. Like I know now if I have a, I have a very heavy week with, with, with some stress, of course, then I look forward to just wake up on Saturday, have a coffee, go running to actually clear the heads. Also on nights mm -hmm. when it's dark, um, it helps me to, to, get, to get rested, to get a clear head. Um, and also walking. I, I discovered walking this year. Um, if you would say last year, like, hey, Stefan, let's go on a walk, I would, I would never do it because it was boring and, and nothing to see in Belgium. But I really started to enjoy it, just going for long walks in the nature and cities. And we have so many beautiful little places in Belgium that we never yeah, were aware true. of. So, uh, and walking for me is now also, it's, it's making me zen. It's making me, me uh, it gives me a clear head. So I think those two now give me the most energy, most in the weekends to recharge for a new week. And I think on, on weekdays, it's, it's trying to eat healthy. Um, I like eating, so that's always a challenge, but I notice when I eat a lot of vegetables, not too many carbs, not too many sugars, mm -hmm. I, I keep my energy levels up. And, and I think one of the extra habits that I also discovered this year is actually sharing with people what's on your mind. I used to be somebody, and I still am, who is, who is when I'm dealing with something, I, I try to process it on my own. But now I'll learn to, and it's also related to, my, to, to, to Rubicon, the company I'm, mm -hmm. I'm building, is to actually just share with other people like what's on my mind, what am I dealing with, where am I stuck, or what are my questions. Mm -hmm. And just talking to people, being vulnerable, really helps you to actually get it out there and get new insights from other people. And I think that's also something that is, is helping me. But it shows because it shows you that often you're not alone um, mm -hmm. when, when thinking about a certain problem. Everybody has very similar problems. That's something I learned. And it gives you like a little bit of, of perspective and you can put things into perspective. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, it's not the end of the world. And if you think, if you keep thinking about it mm -hmm. in your own head, then you just make stuff worse. So just ventilating mm -hmm. a lot of stuff to a lot of sure. different people um, really mm -hmm. helps me to, um, to keep sane, let's say. So, and so that was... Mm -hmm. Did you deal well with the whole um, yeah work from home thing, like on a mental on a mental basis, or how how did it make you feel? Did you have ups and downs, or what did you do? How, what yeah. I worked a lot from home, my own home, in, in the first lockdown. Mm -hmm. So then, me and my girlfriend were in my house in, in Nazareth. Then it was okay because the sun was shining. We discovered walking. We drank a lot of rosé wine. Life was <laughs> yep, good, yep. so I didn't have any problem over there. Um, yeah, except in the normal ups and downs everybody had in that period. It was kind of like a like scary time looking back at it. Um, what helped me is that my girlfriend is living in Antwerp. I'm living in Nazareth. Mm -hmm. So now um, I'm switching homes. Let's say every every week. So I spend a few days here in my place. I spend a few days at her place in Antwerp. So I have like a switch of scenery every every week, which is nice. It helps me. And I'm also working from, from a co-working space in Ghent, which stays open uh, because it's it's every company's own responsibility to go to the office or work from home. Mm -hmm. It's very quiet here. So from time to time, I also go to the office just to have another scenery. Mm -hmm. I'm alone here. I'm alone at home. So the difference is, isn't really there. Yep. But it helps me to, to have a different view to have a different desk I'm, I'm sitting in. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I must say the working from home, I used to get very energized about it. In the first lockdown, it was mm -hmm. very easy. Mm -hmm. But now if I'm working at home, I, I, I feel trapped. I want to go outside. I want to be somewhere else. Yeah. Um, so it's not really my thing, to be honest. Mm. Um, yeah, what, what I've noticed in the beginning of the, of the lockdown, so I, I've been working at home from, uh, I think, March last year. Or something like that and i also live on my own 
So uh, I, there's no roommate. I had one, but left because of uh, the lockdown. And in the beginning, I worked from my room the whole time. So I, mm -hmm. I slept, I woke up, and then took two steps. I was on my desk. But after a while, I mean, it didn't really feel good. And also, I knew that you have to switch areas to keep work and private life, I guess, separate. And uh, now I'm working from the living room, uh, which helps a little bit, but uh, it's still, yeah, I mean, it's still a room where you go to for fun, right? Or, yeah. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, that's the key in the first lockdown. The first week I worked at my kitchen table. So I, that's where I read the newspaper in the morning, worked, had lunch, worked, had dinner. And at, at the evenings, I still would my find I would find myself at my laptop on my kitchen table, and then you had like a, it wasn't a good feeling. And then I also decorated my home office. I put a plant in it. Mm -hmm. um, so when I had a Zoom call, there was a nice nice plant in the background. You might have seen it one one day. And um, I really also create different types of different types of, of areas in my house, mm -hmm. and that helped me actually to maintain a schedule. And then I knew it was going down. It was for relaxation. It was for cooking. It was for eating. For taking coffee mm -hmm. um, but you have to switch it up definitely and uh, so did you did you develop new habits during this period besides the sports and eating uh, thing and how do you how do you actually build a new habit because it's, yeah. yeah i'm thinking about other habits i i built the reading was there before the lockdown I think those those are the most important habits I, I actually built, mm -hmm. um, and that's also one of my 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 biggest beliefs about habit building. You shouldn't be building ten habits or fifty new habits in in a few months or even in in a year. One of the key elements of building a new habit is is very small. Like for example, um, I used to be the kind of person like on Sunday I was eating French fries and a hamburger mm -hmm. and so on, mm -hmm. and then I would say like okay from tomorrow there's no <laughs> sugar no carbs no co no coca-cola yeah. nothing and you go extreme and by by monday afternoon you just feel like i need to binge something because i'm going mm -hmm. so extreme so that's one of the biggest mistakes i made a lot i made it a hundred times i think in different types of things also with sports like okay this week i'm gonna run 50 kilometers after not not um after being six months inactive in my yeah. uh, in my couch mm -hmm. Um, so it's starting, it's starting very small. It's yeah. saying like, okay, tomorrow I will maybe, um, don't eat carbs at lunch, mm -hmm. but have some pasta at night, for example, or this, like this week, I will just go for two runs and it shouldn't be very fast. It should be 15 minutes, 20 minutes. That's okay. Just doing something small because then you see like, okay, this is feasible. This is not too mm -hmm. hard. And then you will get encouraged to do it even more and more. Um, one of the biggest traps is setting your, your, um, goals so high. That you will never achieve them and then you become demotivated and you just go the other way you say like i can't eat healthy so i could just eat a pizza eat fries drink a coca-cola whatever yeah. because yeah. i'm not somebody who can eat healthy and you get demotivated so that's one of the biggest traps we uh, we step into mm -hmm. yeah it's like the one of the worst habits i have and i still can't get rid of is uh, snoozing to do it every day every day and they say that the best way to kind of get off of snoozing is by just setting your alarm or, or if you want to wake up earlier mostly is to just start by setting your alarm like five minutes earlier only five minutes yeah. and then yeah small steps yep yeah. and work from there uh, 
but you say small steps and you're the co-founder of uh, four uh, different companies um, like how uh, for example the and that, this is one we've also done together uh, the local online one uh, was this an example of not doing small steps or what do you what do you think because local online i'm not i'm not uh, saying this to uh, i don't know to annoy you or something but uh, i'm just curious about what's what went wrong with uh, local online yeah interesting question and in the beginning of the talk i mentioned that i was indeed all over the place and did a lot of things that interested me mm -hmm. but that didn't wear my, my passion looking back i think local online was one of these projects so to, to give some context, Local Online started in my hometown, Nazareth, on the first day of the lockdown. We saw shops closing. We, shot, we saw that no, uh, no local shop had a, had a website, a web shop. So we thought like, hey, this could be in a cool nonprofit project. We have time. We have nothing to do in the weekends. Let's create a web shop for the butcher, the clothing store in the village. Mm -hmm. um, um, so that's something that started small. It's like in our own village with a local UNISO uh, organization. Um, but for me, that it, it all went down in the end. It went down. It sounds really bad, but we just decided, like, hey, we're not going to continue this mm -hmm. for two reasons. One of them is that we were with four co-founders. We all liked it, but it wasn't our passion. We had other projects running, which were our passion. Mm -hmm. I also had already Rubicon in the back of my head at the time. I also had EBBC. Um, Local Online was one extra project, and it was the same for the other three co-founders. Mm -hmm. We all had different things. And the second one, um, if you're, and you, you also saw it, Michiel, e-commerce, you have the big players, you have Amazon, mm -hmm. Ball.com, they have the market. Then you have the local small retailers in the villages. They don't know anything about e-commerce. And it's really hard to convince them that e-commerce is the future. So what we saw is that a lot of uh, shop owners said like, okay, this might be cool, but I don't know. I don't want to do this. I don't want to put my energy in it. And we also saw it from the the, um, the, the sector organizations, Uniso, um, the retail organization. They also had said like, yeah, it's cool, go ahead. But we yeah, we, we don't see it. It will mm -hmm. all go back to normal. So for me, it was like a 19th century mindset often. Yep. And I'm, I'm now putting it black and white. We also had a, a few believers who actually were doing yeah, Facebook and Instagram yeah. marketing to, to boost visitors to the web shop. But in the end, we felt like, okay, if we're going to do this, it will cost us blood, sweat and tears to actually make it happen. And we will probably need six months, one year to actually get a revenue to actually mm -hmm. have a sustainable company, uh, a for-profit organization. And that combined with the fact that it wasn't our passion, it was not something we would bleed for. And I firmly believe if you want to start a company and you could do something new, disruptive, it will take time. You will have to suffer, you will have to bleed, but you will only do that if you truly believe in what you're doing. And I didn't have that with local online. I believe in the concept. I believe in the future of local e-commerce, but it was not something I should be doing um, because mm -hmm. I didn't have the passion for the sector or for the problem we were solving. Yeah. Um, yep. And I hope other people will solve it um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. who are very passionate about it. So yeah. if somebody is listening who is passionate, yeah. just do it. Hopefully, I think like the small shops, maybe they just don't, they don't see the value in, in having an online shop or they're just happy with the yeah what they are selling right now and the amount they're selling and the amount of work they they put in they're not really looking to put in extra work or to making 
more money. Maybe it's just because that's their passion, the, their shop as is. Uh, and uh, I think you, uh, I've heard it from you before. It's also because of a book you read, I think, that you also believe that some companies just, they, they shouldn't focus on growth, right? Some companies, it's, there's like a, a charm in, in staying small. And I don't want to, to yeah, paraphrase you in the wrong way, but it was something like that, right? Yeah, it was the book I did, I did a LinkedIn post, I think, on the book Company of One, and also hosted an UBC session, mm -hmm. which is a neat book about staying small. That can be a good idea. And the main thesis is not that growth is bad. I believe in growth. Growth is necessary. If you have to pay wages, you have to you have to grow as a company. But we often see that that startups or companies are growing for the sake of growing. Like growing, they see growing as a goal, and growing is not a goal. It's a mean towards an end. And the book is all about thinking about what is the end goal for me. And it, it has examples of entrepreneurs who say, like, for me, the end goal is to live a balanced life. Mm -hmm. I want to work in the morning, take my surfboard and go surfing in the afternoon. That's my end goal. And then you should, bu should build a company that's bringing in the money you need to maintain that lifestyle. Mm -hmm. But you don't need a company that is hiring 100 people and, and uh, leading to you, to you working seven days uh, in a week. That's not a mean towards your end goal. Mm -hmm. um, so it's all about looking at growth uh, more carefully, seeing growth as a mean and not as an end, as a means to an end. Yep. And you often see like entrepreneurs like, okay, we need to grow more revenue, more people on board, more shareholders, more capital. But you're, it, it's, it's often a trap. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And people start, uh, start with entrepreneurship to become free. But if you, if you only focus on growth, you will never be free mm -hmm. because growth will be your boss. The employees you hire will be your boss. The people who invest money in your startup will be your boss. Mm -hmm. So it, it's all about rethinking the end goal. What is the real goal? What is the reason I'm actually doing this? Do you, do you know examples of entrepreneurs that are doing it the, the, the right way, I'd say? Like that are not focusing uh, or on growth or entrepreneurs that you are looking up to, I guess? Well, the, the book had some examples. Um, it was mostly like like one man or one woman companies. Mm -hmm. uh, the book was also called Company of One, so small companies. They had some examples of some guy living in Canada with a surfing example mm -hmm. I just mentioned. Somebody else who just wanted to travel the world and have an online business. Mm -hmm. So you see some kind of examples over there. I think one of the other examples, and it was not in the book, but I think the, the company Patagonia. Um, mm -hmm. I'm reading uh, the book of the founder, Let My People Go Surfing. They also, growth is not the goal for them, but creating a positive impact is a goal for them, a positive impact on, on the environment, on the world. So they grow to get in money, to actually invest the money also in environmental campaigns and, um, and, and stuff that is actually just good for the world. Mm -hmm. So they really thought like, hey, what is for us the goal? It's positive impact. And how do we, um, we create that impact? By growing, by creating revenue and investing the profits in and uh, sustainability projects. But I think that's one of the examples where, where this uh, framework really applies. Yep. Do, do you think that, that anyone can be an entrepreneur? Because in my eyes, you seem like a, a successful uh, entrepreneur. Uh, but I'm wondering, like, are there people that should never get into it? Or like some characteristics of people that should get into it? Something like yeah. that. Yeah. Um, 
Well, it's a, it's a very difficult question, and my answer evolved Sorry over the years. Sorry for difficult questions, uh, Stefan. No, I, I like different uh, uh, difficult questions. Uh, it makes me think, so that's that's always nice. I would say, or I personally believe, but I, I'm, I'm biased. I like people who are entrepreneurial. So I often say, like, everybody should try to mm -hmm. build something from scratch once in their life. Just give it a try, see if it's something for you, and see if it's not something for you. And that's the second part of my answer. It's not something for, for everybody. Um, it brings along a lot of responsibility, a lot of stress. You, you have to take risks. So if you don't like taking risks, then it will be difficult or you will not jump fast enough if you're avoiding all risks. So you have to have some risk-taking appetite and you have to be somebody who is comfortable with doing something you've never done before. Mm -hmm. When you're starting a company, for example, you like podcasting. Yeah. Um, you could say like, hey, I want to make a, a company out of podcasting. Mm -hmm. Your main focus is podcasting. That's why you're doing this. But if you want to make a company out of it, and I don't know your, your, your next steps with the podcasting thing, I think you should make a company out of it, <laughs> by the way. But if you'll make a company out of it, suddenly you will have to do finance. Like, what is my P&L, my profit and loss? Yep. Um, maybe you will work with freelancers. You will have to hire people. Mm -hmm. You will have to do your accounting. You will have to do marketing and sales to get people on, on the podcast. So you have to do everything that is there in the business world by yourself in the first phase. And then also hire people and actually coach those people to also do the things you're not good at mm -hmm. and make them succeed in, in their jobs. So you have to do a lot of things, a lot of things you've never done before. Yeah, yeah. And and some people like doing it, the things they have never done before. I like it. It gives me energy, but it also gives me a lot of stress. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. And, uh, and everybody um, doubts himself at, at, at different times. But in the end, you have to do it and you just have to keep continuing it. And, and I think perseverance is one very important factor. Yep. And also... Um, um, gratification, dealing with gratification or keeping the long-term goals um, in your head every day mm -hmm. and, and forgetting about short-term gratification. Yep. For example, if you want a six-pack, I, if I would live by, by my instant gratification, I would have to or go to french fries because I like it. It gives yep. me a good feeling on the mm -hmm. short term, but on the long term, it will hurt me. It will not help me reach my goals. And as an entrepreneur, for and it all depends on the kind of company you're building. But there will be times where you have to, where you will not have any income for six months or even a year or shorter or longer. But you always have to keep the long-term perspective in mind, and and keep faith that one day the money will come. It will not be today, yeah. not be tomorrow, but it might be in six months or in three months or in two years. Mm -hmm. Nobody knows. You don't know. You might have a business plan, but what's a business plan? It's just mm -hmm. numbers on paper. Yeah. Um, it, it changes all the time so it is keeping a long-term perspective mm -hmm. and keeping faith that you will actually reach it mm -hmm. even though everything might might, might fail uh, on monday and yeah. even on tuesday and wednesday and thursday and friday <laughs> so i think resilience is the, is the key words the key words i would, uh, would so apply here resi resilience um, long-term vision um passion and then per yeah perseverance yeah. Uh, that, that's the reason uh, I started with the podcast is because I tend to start a lot of things uh, but not finish them and I just set a goal for the podcast like I want to talk to uh, fifth, so one person a week like on average because I've uh, failed last week already but like on, on average uh, like 52 people a year like that's the goal mm -hmm. for, for 2021. 
52 people. And that's I, I active, actively look for, for new people to come on the podcast because this is like this one time I want to do something and stick to it like for a whole year. That's probably one of the 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 habits that I that I will yeah that I have will have kept for for the longest time ever I guess except for like hobbies Great. that you that you enjoy instantly I guess um, but yeah that's uh, one of the reasons I don't know if it's like the idea of course and that's also the reason why it's in English is to have it be like a global uh, podcast so anyone can listen to it to it. Uh, so hopefully after a year we'll see some some kind of trend towards uh, global uh, like people from all over the world that are listening to this <laughs> right now it's just uh, Would Brazil be nice. and Belgium <laughs> so 5% Brazil, Brazil nice. yeah you can actually see the stats yeah. on, Spot on Spotify because it's also on Spotify as well on YouTube and on Spotify and five I don't know maybe it's uh, they are fake people or bots I don't know but at least it says 5% so I would really love to meet one of the the Brazilian people that, that are listening to, yeah, yeah. to this. And also yeah. because um, that's a, a main point that I got from um, Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. Um, yeah, I thought it was going to be all about money, but there's a really a lot of stuff in there that you can just take with you into your regular life. And the main thing for me is, uh, or was from reading the book, is uh, just take action. Just do it. Don't think like, uh, oh, no, I can't do it or it will be bad in the beginning or everybody will laugh. No, just get started and build build some skills around it and you'll get better over time. That's the Yeah, one. definitely. Yeah, mm -hmm. I'm a big fan of, of the MVP principle, so minimum viable product. Mm -hmm. You have to put something out in the world yep. very fast. We did it with Rubicon, we did it at EBBC. We did it with Local Online. We had a crappy web shop we put, we, we put up in one day just to test the concept. Like, are people actually, do they need this? Do we solve a problem with this? And if you wait, you could say like, hey, I want to practice my podcasting skills for five years without releasing any podcast, but then you just lose five years. Mm -hmm. And now I like the mindset. I will do 52 episodes this year. If you would compare episode one with episode 52, the, 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 the skills you show, the, the quality, will have evolved so much. And uh, I always like the saying, you, you should be ashamed when you look at the first version of your product or your service. Yep. If you're not ashamed, you launch too late. <laughs> yeah, I believe, I definitely believe that's true. And I'm sure like if you watch the first episode, which was actually with a, a friend still in, in real life, but then I did a reboot with uh, Martin. Uh, but it, it's, it's very different, like uh, doing a call over video and then in real life. Uh, is a lot uh, is a lot different, but there's already yeah. some progress, or I would hope there to be some progress. <laughs> some progress already. Yeah, definitely will be. If you do this every week, you learn something every every new episode. Yep, yep. So uh, yeah, and also just the skill of uh, conversation itself is also an important one to build at, which is one that I was a little bit afraid of losing right now because uh, working from home, you don't talk to a lot of people and. A little bit contradictory, but my whole day is in English already because I, I work at an international company. So I'd like to just have conversations with people that are not about work, I guess. Uh, so yeah, helps. Uh, I have um, I have something. I have an idea about entrepreneurs or what makes ultra successful entrepreneurs, um, and it is that they all like 
there's something missing in their head. Like the ultra professional uh, or the ultra successful people, they all had like um, some kind of trauma when they were a kid or they had something traumatic happen in their life. And uh, I believe that's something that gives those entrepreneurs like a drive that's so big that they, they just don't know anything else. They just have to perform well. It's kind of a way to to deal with the traumatic uh, event, I think. Do you agree with that or do you think that's not necessary? I, I think there are some entrepreneurs who, who come for a, from a, for example, very traumatic experience that gives them a drive to, to, to make the best out of life. I, there are definitely some examples of, of those kind of people. I also think you can be a great entrepreneur if you just had a very pleasant childhood, a very pleasant college time and, and just started a company after graduating, everything normal. So I think you, you have examples of, of, of all types of people with all types of experiences and, and backgrounds. I personally do believe that if you, if you have a setback, if you come from a hardship, it can be a, an acceleration in, in some parts of your life. Um, for example, if, if you come from a poor background, you might or you can be more motivated to make the best out of life, to really show that you're successful if you feel an underdog position. You have people that actually use it as a force to, to become better and to go bigger. Mm -hmm. um, but it, it's so different for everybody. So I don't think there's one type of, of childhood you, you should have had mm -hmm. as an entrepreneur. Um, <laughs> no, I'm not, I'm it's a lot of things that, that impact that, that it. To be successful, that you... you have yeah. to have a traumatic experience but uh, <laughs> <laughs> i was just I, I was trying to like think of entrepreneurs in my head and then like their their backstory i guess and they all like have something going that they have some kind of traumatic uh, experience but probably like you said there's no single single event or single characteristic characteristic that can define if somebody will be a good entrepreneur or not or a very successful one at that um yeah I agree. So, um, so, what you already finished the How to Change Your Mind book, right? So, what are you reading right now? Are you still reading? Still time? Yeah. Now, th this week, I started reading the book "Let Let My People Go Surfing" um, by the founder of Patagonia, mm -hmm. the outdoor company with the with the social impact that I just mentioned mm -hmm. earlier. So, that's the book I'm reading right now. I have some books I'm, I'm halfway, but I, I I didn't get to to the end. Are you one of those people that, that re reads multiple books at the same time and then... Yeah, I try to limit it. I, I, I often stop reading in a book uh, at page 150, for example, and then the last 50 pages, I can't get to them because I'm, I'm more triggered by another book mm. or another team. Um, but now I just, just started reading this book and I'll just finish it before reopening another one. Um, but I have too many unfinished books on my Goodreads account. It's like five of them and it makes me nervous that they're not finished. Ah, yes, that, that was one of your, your goals. I think you put it on in a LinkedIn post that you want to have more followers on Goodreads than yeah. was it on Instagram. I don't know what, what the other one was. Yeah, yeah, it was Instagram. Yeah, it, it's not working. Uh, <laughs> not many people are on Goodreads. <laughs> no, no, no. Well, actually, I, I don't know how many uh, follow, followers. Is it followers on Goodreads? I don't know. Yeah, or, or friends, I think it's friends. friends. How, they call how it many friends. Do you have yeah, right now. Well, I don't know, less than fifty. Ah, okay. I think. All right. Yeah. Let me check. Maybe the I don't know if you can add um, audiobooks as well 
on Goodreads. Maybe if they added that as a, a source that you could say you, you read or listened to, that would work a little bit better. But because I feel a lot of people, they just don't like to read anymore. It's a little, a yeah, little bit of a shame. But... Yeah, I have 79 friends, so it's more. All right, almost. It's almost more than 50. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, great. We're getting there, uh, <laughs> but uh, it's it's not nowhere near Instagram. Uh, on Instagram, but you're very active on Instagram, right? Or, uh, yeah, I, I think I think too active. For some reason, I like making stories of a lot of stuff, <laughs> just normal stuff: a tree, dinner, um, music, yeah, books. Yeah. <laughs> I really like the ones where you where you are because you're also a DJ or a producer. I'm not sure exactly. I bought a DJ gear yeah. in lockdown in March. Ah, okay. That's I wanted a new hobby. Um, yeah. So I, I t but it, it's it's been a few weeks since the last time I, I used it. But I just like to do it in my in my own house. Mm -hmm. I never played for an audience. It was the bucket on the bucket list for 2020, but of course that didn't happen. Yeah. But uh, yeah, one day I I it's a, it's a dream of me that has been there for 10 years to be a DJ at a big event and just get people mm -hmm. hyped up and, and fired up. I feel like in the you club. would definitely uh, be able to do that. I always, I always enjoy watching the stories where you're behind the deck. And like when you're like really into it, you seem to be very enthusiastic about it all. It's really, it's a joy to watch. And also you do this kind of um, like, like uh, I don't know, sketches kind of like, I, I wouldn't say, wouldn't really say sketches, but some of those are like funny, daily things so it's uh, it's very entertaining at least at least to me maybe we just have the same kind of cool. humor <laughs> <laughs> good to hear i, I often <laughs> wonder like what are people thinking of me when i'm posting this stuff <laughs> but, but uh, no but i mean that's also something i like about uh, the stuff that you do like sometimes um uh, and i like your content like uh, for example on instagram um it's maybe like um I don't know, a little bit weird sometimes, I guess. That, that's how you could call it. And maybe some people are like, oh, but what, I mean, what's he doing? But what I really like is that you just go for it. Like if you like to do something and you enjoy it, uh, there will be enough people that will enjoy it too. But it, it certainly doesn't feel like you don't really care in that area what other people think. You just go for it. It's a, it's a funny observation because I always think that I care too much about what other people think. But then you would so it, it, on Instagram, right? Yeah, maybe you, you got me thinking. Um, I think I, I care more in real life. Like when I'm meeting somebody, I will care more like what is he or she thinking and how should I behave? Maybe on Instagram because it's not it's not face to face that you are interacting with people. Mm -hmm. It's like me posting a story towards an audience of... of blurry faces mm -hmm. i don't know who is watching you could count but i don't count of course who is watching i think that might be might be different um but i, I do care like for example and it's, it's very stupid to say when, when i post a story mm -hmm. and nobody's reacting i think like oh what, what are people thinking is it not funny is it stupid <laughs> yeah so I, I yeah i think i think about it a lot i think that's one yeah but you you have it a, li a little bit more in real life you said but I think so. I think it's more visible in real life when you're interacting with, with people. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, on Instagram, I, I have a little bit more. Um, but again, 
I truly believe like if you post stuff on Instagram or on Facebook to be seen, you are looking for some kind of, of social acceptation mm -hmm. and there's nothing wrong with it. But I mean, that's the reason people post stuff on Instagram yeah, yeah. and that's the reason why social media is so popular because yeah. we all want to be accepted yes. by, uh, by our peers. So if I post something, I do it for other people and not really for myself and, and nobody does. So it, it's all related to, to being accepted and, and, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and uh, changing the image you want to show to the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You, you mentioned that you, you're, you're really thinking about the way you behave in real life, like in interactions with, with, with other people. Um, so I, a few years back, uh, I read something about uh, like the physical behavior, like the way you are uh, holding your hands, for example, when you're talking to people or the way you, your feet are pointed or your arms are crossed or uncrossed or stuff like that. But that book, I don't know, I, you probably also know uh, stuff like that, but that really, it, it messed with my, my head a little bit because, because you start to overanalyze every, every, in every single thing a person does when he's standing in front of you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah That's, it's strange yeah. yeah if you start observing yourself i noticed a few weeks ago when i have physical meetings and i say something when i start speaking i will go like this mm. when i'm speaking and if I, when i'm finished i go like that and it's really strange like why am i doing this when i'm speaking you're very comfortable <laughs> or maybe are yeah, you? yeah it, lo it looks comfortable is it uh, like are you doing it naturally or are you doing it because you read that that's like a some kind of power stance no it's it's naturally i don't know why uh, i also noticed that when i'm speaking i start moving you might have seen it when while i'm speaking here i i was sitting like this and then i was like this and i'm, I'm constantly moving when i'm when i'm speaking mm -hmm. i don't know why it's just uh, something natural you're not you're not really influenced by uh, the things you read in that regard then i guess no, no, I'm a big believer in, in the importance of body language, but I didn't spend too much time investigating myself. I just noticed a few things that I, I, did, yeah, I tend to yeah. do when I'm talking. Yeah. Um, I, I did notice that some of the things work, but it's mo it mostly helped me identify when people do it to me. Like, because you know, some of the things work. Like, I had somebody a while ago, um, when we were still working in physical spaces and so on, and when she talked to me, she always like put her shoulder, uh, her hand on my shoulder, like to, for acceptance. And I was really annoyed by that because it's kind of, um, it's kind of a manipulative move to make somebody like you. Mm -hmm. So I was really annoyed by uh, that. Yeah, that she did that. And I, I guess a lot of people, they're also annoyed, but they don't know that it's just something you can do to make people like you, I guess. And then, yeah, yeah definitely. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so there's a lot of power moves. Yeah, yeah. I I try not to read into them uh, a lot anymore, <laughs> and also it doesn't really work because I, I don't meet anyone anymore. So <laughs> that's also something <laughs> that that helps. The benefits. Yeah, the benefits. <laughs> At least there yeah. are, there are some. There there definitely are some. What what would you say the biggest benefit to this whole situation is? To this year or uh, to uh, yeah to working from home lockdown kind of stuff uh, that they're doing right now. I th I think going back to the essence, um, like a lot of extra stuff that makes life complicated is is gone. 
And I feel like there's more time to, to focus on the essence, um, the things that actually matter. So there's a lot less noise, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, life is easier. I mean, life was harder when I had to, I was working in Antwerp and I had an event in Brussels and then I, 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 I have to drive home to, to Ghent and, and the weekend's the same. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of complexity is, is gone. Um, but then that's a benefit, but in the end, life is very efficient, which gives me headspace, literally. But uh, the, the I, I'm looking for the right word here. Um, Maybe it's too efficient. Life doesn't feel very, yeah, it's too efficient. You should have something like um, surprises yeah, yeah. Or, or unplanned nights mm-hmm. out. Some, or, some struggles or bumps in the road, I guess. That, that's yeah, bumps in the road or just or just um, doing something that wasn't planned and now it's just like, well, I already know what my weekend is going to be like. I'm going to run, walk, read, drink a glass of wine. I know I can't, it's, it's hell week. <laughs> I won't drink any wine, yeah. probably. Um, so that gives me a, a peace of mind, like, okay, I'm going to relax this weekend. But in the end, I miss the spontaneous get-togethers and dinners and mm-hmm. drinks with friends. But I think you were asking for benefits, so I'm looking at the bright side. I think it's the focus on the essence for me and taking the time for the things that actually matter to me is, uh, was really and still is a benefit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Right now, it's, yeah, like, what's the biggest benefit? I'll try to answer it myself as well. Um, biggest benefit. Well, I, I was going to say transport to, the, to work, but my, my job was only five minutes away by bike, <laughs> so it, it doesn't really change much in that regard. Um, it's more like when, when work is done, yeah, like you can just do whatever. It's like there's no, there's just that you stop working and then immediately it's the day, the day is over. Uh, that's, that's something I, I like. I like my job right now, but like it's, uh, yeah, that's uh, the biggest advantage, I would say. Um, something I ask all my guests and I still don't know why I didn't uh, ask you, uh, tell you in advance because it's on my list for some of the things that I always have to do. Uh, but, uh, I always ask my guests if there's a question that they would like to ask themselves and answer, of course. Whew, question to ask myself. Yeah. Or me, but like preferably yourself, but could also be a question directly. It's a very hard question. Yeah, uh, that's why that's why I should always tell people now in advance you, you, that I'm going to ask the question. <laughs> you're, you're putting me on the spot and I have to come <laughs> up with something witty because this is live. Uh, yeah, no, but that, that's... Uh, yeah, no, I know, I know. It's like you're the... I think you're the sixth person on the podcast. Uh, no, wait. I think the sixth one, yeah. And I've only managed <laughs> to warn three people in advance that I was going to ask the question. Uh, yeah. It's kind of a surprise. I'm still, I'm still looking for some something to differentiate this podcast uh, between all the others that exist right now, because it seems like everyone and their grandmother is starting a, a podcast these days. So you have to find something. Um, I feel like the biggest, yeah. the biggest thing is uh, that I'll talk to like anyone. Or at least right now I start with people that I know, but they could be from any branch is what I'm saying. And that's, that's different from the other podcasts that I know that have a 
specific theme in mind. I'm kind mm. of talking talking while you can think about uh, a question. To yeah, I, I have a question in my head. I've been asking myself the last week by, by coincidence. Mm -hmm. um, I, I tend to do a lot of introspection. So look at myself um, and uh, start questioning uh, things I do or things I think or things I, I say. And one question I recently had, I was discussing it with my co-founder also yesterday, like, who am I um, without focusing on what I'm doing? Um, and, and let me explain the question. I, I did a personality test um, a few days ago mm. and I'm somebody, I get a lot of, I identify myself with what I'm doing. What kind of test um, was it? Did you have a, just like a, uh, what's it called? With the letters? Yeah, but it's yeah. it's more it's more um, um, it's it's deeper. It's also paying test like 150 euros. Oh. But very very good. I will send you the, the name. It's it's it's. Uh, um, yep, interesting. I can't remember the name right now. Mm -hmm. But it's one of the results was that I'm I'm a kind of person who is I identify myself by the things I do. So that's where I get my self esteem. That's where I get like um, it's the. The self-image of myself and a question i had for myself was okay without thinking about what am i doing or what i want to do who who am i um so being instead of doing who is stefan instead of what is stefan but doing like a, that's a really hard yeah, question on a deeper level it's kind of like yeah what's your core who are you at your core it's kind of what you're asking yeah. yourself yeah indeed <laughs> have you figured out so yet? please <laughs> please don't ask for the answer because i don't have it but it's a question that is that is um, has been in my my mind for the last days. Mm -hmm. um, that's something I want to formulate an answer to because it's a really fascinating one. Maybe it's something that that it's more important to ask you the question and to not expect to find the answer. Um, but like I, I think the most important thing is that just for and actually for every for everyone on the planet just. Ask yourself the question: Who are you? Like it's, it's something. Introspection is something that I also do a lot. But it seems like a lot of people they don't really think about why they feel happy sometimes or why they feel sad sometimes. And like in any case, you should be able to know that about yourself or know how to resolve. Well, if you're sad, for example, what is causing it and how what works for me or for you when you're sad or something yeah definitely that's that's emotional intelligence i think it's it's a val very valuable skill like recognizing and reading your own emotions and responding to it in a, in a good manner mm -hmm. is something very hard but something so powerful if you uh, if you master it, is it something and you will never master it 100 percent, of course but uh, and is it something you exceeded succeed at at the moment but it's something it's something I, I struggle with and um, but maybe it feels like struggling because I'm, I'm thinking a lot about it so I'm often asking myself like okay now you're feeling stressed or frustrated or or, or anxious about something why, why this feeling why this emotion how should you respond to this emotion and, and not how to avoid this emotion um, I think recognizing your emotions is a very powerful thing um, and you can't you actually, I, I, I believe that you can't uh, change how you feel or what emotion you feel, but what you can do change is how you respond to it. For example, if I would feel the emotion anger, I can yell at you, I can hit you in the face, but I have a choice on, on how to respond and how to respond in a most constructive mm -hmm. way. Mm -hmm. 
and by actually thinking about, okay, this emotion is anger, where is it coming from? Mm -hmm. And how can I react differently with a, with a bigger, better outcome? Mm -hmm. um, and I think often we get an emotion, we react immediately without thinking about it. And I think the fact of, of pausing, thinking for five, 10 seconds, and then reacting mm -hmm. in a mostly different way is a really powerful, uh, powerful thing. Mm -hmm. Is it something I'm master? No, it isn't. It's something I'm struggling with, but it's something that was also really fascinating me on, uh, on how to be more effective also mm -hmm. in interpersonal relations. It's like, I think uh, it's, it's kind of like ruling your emotions instead of letting your emotions rule you. But I think that's yeah, it's also, being in yeah. control. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's a very, a very intensive thing to, or unless you are very trained at it, I think it's a very mentally taxing thing to be aware of how you feel the whole time. And I mean, it's pretty easy to do when you're, I mean, when everything is going relatively well. I think at the moments when it's not going well, then it's a lot harder to still do. Yeah, definitely. And that, that's when you make impulsive reactions. So, so for example, a professional example for me, I used, when, I used to, when I, when I got into stressful situations, for example, I was a consultant, um, I got a phone call, the client wasn't happy, this and that. Um, I, would, I would get into panic mode and just do panic things. Like say, oh, sorry, I will do this and that and promise everything to make them happy instantly. And so just panicking and, and doing the wrong stuff without really thinking it through and, and more pleasing the people in, instead of serving them. Mm -hmm. um, and by actually taking the time like, okay, this is a situation. This is how I feel anxious. How should I respond? Should I reply now to this email or should I become more, more stable first and more happy before I actually dive into this? Mm -hmm. And how can I... Um, um, avoids going into panic mode and uh, firefighting mode. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But that's something I, I, I um, saw a lot of times in my career. Like, okay, something is happening, panic mode, I'll just do something very quickly. Mm -hmm. And that's something by emotional intelligence, you can actually start, start managing and controlling mm -hmm. um, and choosing your action in instead of just following your brain yeah. and that is panicking and uh, on fire. Yeah. Do, do you know the book? Um... Wait, how to them? Uh, how to change your brain or how the brain works? Wait, do I? Uh, I, I didn't read it yet. It's on my Goodreads to read list. I, I think. should have it somewhere behind me. I think there's so many books I forgot where I forget where I put them all. Uh, yeah, but it's it's kind. Of, I was thinking about the anal analogy that you made in, in the beginning. Uh, about the snow, the, the snowy mountain, and then some fresh snow um, that is falling onto it. And the other analogy that they used in that book, uh, and I forgot my train of thought for a little bit, but um, they had the analogy with a river. And like each time, like some learned behavior, for example, um, like the water just streams, and every time the water streams through those channels, it just makes the, the trench a little bit deeper. And firmer and after a while people are so st stuck into those ways um, that they yeah they don't they are not able to create new new habits and one of the yeah. things that I found really interesting in that book uh, um, is uh, a way to avoid that or to actually make room in your brain for new channels that you could walk through is um, yeah is to to fall in love is what is what they said oxytocin in the brain allows allows you to make new 
neural pathways and to learn new stuff instead it's kind of like an eraser for your brain yeah but i think it's the same effect of the, the psychedelics uh <laughs> um but that's that same process on steroids i think <laughs> but uh indeed it's a great metaphor it's very similar i also heard a metaphor about um doing a little trail in the woods and after a few days the the trail is getting bigger and bigger mm-hmm. after one year it's a highway with uh with, with trucks uh, yeah, <laughs> driving yeah. and driving over it. Um, but it's indeed creating little trails in your brain and, and they will get deeper or bigger or, or, mm-hmm. or uh, broader uh, and it becomes harder to change it. So what would be one of those roads that you would want to erase or make less deep? Or what's the road you would like to create, a new one you would like to create this year? Like the number one new thing or experience you want to have and get engrooved in your brain by the end of this year we still have uh yeah 10 more months so uh a lot of time um i think i think i'm I'm rather risk averse which is not bad because i take calculated risks i'm somewhere in the middle i think Mm -hmm. But I often feel like I, I play a lot on the defense, so I play not to lose. But I would like to play more on the offense, so playing to win instead of not to lose. Mm-hmm. So um, I see that behavior when I when I make decisions. I tend to um, focus on the, the worst case scenarios and mitigate them and, and find solutions for risks that might occur. But that often limits me from going on the offense, mm-hmm. going all in. Um, going 100% and I think one of the trails I have in, in my brains is that like that cautious part that I want to bury a little bit and go more on the offense like if I say okay this is a decision I make I will do this mm-hmm. then I should do it 100% and not 70% to play it safe mm-hmm. uh, so that's something that's been on my mind for a few months that I'm also working on but I think if I would make some steps or progress this year I would be happy uh, and I think it's also an, an, an aspect that will have an impact on a lot of different areas in my life. So just make decisions and go for it 100%. And don't look too much uh, back. Yeah, it sounds like a, a very good, a good thing to focus on. At least uh, definitely when you're, uh, like, if you're taking the entrepreneurial route, uh, it's probably a good thing to nurture. Um, so um, getting back to the EBBC, when do you think the first live session will be again? Hard, hard to tell. I, I, yeah, I think April or May seems realistic. But again, we, we don't know it. Um, we'll see. I'm not really worried about it. We have a cool online format. We're experimenting with it. Um, we might also experiment with hybrid sessions when it's possible. So part online and part offline yeah. with a live stream and so on. Um, I hope towards the summer that should be the safe, uh, safe bet. I hope so too. I would, I would really like to join uh, real life sessions again and finally present a book myself, as I said a, a lot of times before. Uh, awesome. And actually, there's a, there's a new one coming out. If I, uh, one of the books that I proposed to present was the Twelve Rules for Life. Uh, one by Jordan Peterson, which is not really 
well, was technically is technically not a business book, but it is. It has lessons that can be applied anywhere in life, which yeah can yeah can help in your uh, in your business life, I guess. Um, and he wrote a new one, uh, and it's coming out beginning of March. So if that's a good one, maybe uh, yeah. Yeah, that's a good sounds one. Sounds like well. a plan. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Just do it. <laughs> of course, of course. Yeah, yeah. And also start running again. Yeah, that's also that would also be nice. Do you have a, a final uh, like book recommendation, like like one book that everyone should read? Mm hmm. Yeah, so many books people I should know, read. I know, but like the, the uh, let me one, think. Your favorite one from the last. I don't know, months or years. I like Shoe Dog a lot from the founder of Nike. Oh. You might have it. Um, yeah, and you reminded me of it by saying just do it, the Nike mantra. But I really like that book. I read it a few years ago. That's one of my top three books. Um, second one, which I like and are mostly uh, business focused, um, is uh, Bad Bloods. It's uh, a story about a starter that's faking it till they make it, but they never make it and they keep faking it and it's, it's extreme. It reads like, like a thriller. Is it a real, it a reads real like life a movie. thing? Is it fiction or? Yeah, no, it's from really... a real life company oh. of Silicon Valley who was working in the med tech um, industry. Real, very good book. Um, so those two, what are other bo good books I, I read? Yeah, and the, the, the psychedelics books, How to Change Your Mind by Michael Pollan. Yeah. You should read it, and not because you're interested in psychedelics or drugs or whatever, but just because it gives you great insight in how our brain is working, yeah. what kind of research was happening in the 50s and 60s, and uh, yeah, it just makes you think. Uh, yeah, well, that's really that, like definitely it. the next one I'm going to finish. I, I already have it on my uh, my ebook reader, and I started reading it a few days ago, I think, so uh, definitely a good one to recommend. Uh, Stefan, I want to thank you. A lot. My pleasure. For Thank you for the invitation. Uh, uh, at some point, I was really, I was hesitant if you, if you wanted to do this, but I'm very glad uh, that you joined. Uh, really made my day. You were on like my top, my top list of people I really wanted cool. to have on uh, someday. So I'm glad you did it, and hopefully we can like do this again, but maybe in real life. And also with some kind of other uh, specific gadget, uh, I make limoncello myself. So then we can try out some. I saw it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so then, awesome. <laughs> then we can try out some limoncello on the on the conversation, which might lead to uh, I don't know uh, to, to funny conversations. I don't know. But uh, I'm looking forward to meeting you in real life, whether on the podcast or somewhere else, uh, maybe a BBC meeting or s somewhere else. But uh, yeah. Likewise. We will meet soon, um, I'm sure of that, online or offline. Hopefully offline. Uh, and uh, Yeah, definitely. Uh, what was the plan right now? So you said you had to be in bed at 10, uh, but I guess that's going to be a little bit hard. <laughs> so yeah, for the listeners, it's now um, 9, 9.48, so I have 12 minutes. I, uh, I'm at the co-working space, so I'll, I have a 10-minute drive. I have to go to the bathroom, I have to brush my teeth, it will be impossible. It will be 10, 10, 15, I think, but that's still okay. Um, I hope. 
All right, but <laughs> I will post it in my WhatsApp group with the perfect week people. Like, hey, I'm I'm just now in my bed. Uh, are you angry with me? And then we'll we'll see what happens. <laughs> I, I hope they will, they will understand. But uh, I wish you a, a very yeah, good I'm night, sure. and I hope you will succeed at all the other challenges this week and for the rest of your uh, year. And uh, thank you very much for joining the Call Stefan. Thanks, Michiel. Thanks for having me. All right, I enjoyed it. Thank you. All very right, much. bye bye. Bye.